Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm really excited to be here with Mabel Ninen. Mabel is a wife, mom, an author and speaker, a Bible teacher, and a podcast host. And her most recent book is called Far From Home, Discovering Your Identity as Foreigners on Earth. And I'm just so excited to get to talk about her experiences of being an immigrant in a new place and facing those challenges and how she was able to make this spiritual parallel to how we are all immigrants in this world as citizens of heaven. And so Mabel, thank you for joining us and talking about this great book. Thanks for having me, Jamie. This is such an honor and privilege for me to be a guest on your show and um, serve your community. Thank you. Well, before we get into talking about your book, we like to ask all of our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. So where do you go to pray, to feel close to God? I'm more a prayer walker. (laughs) You know, so even if I'm in a room, I'd like to get up and walk and pray. Um, And for every day, that's, that's what I do. Either I'm in my backyard, if it's not too sunny or in my room, I just shut the door and just walk around. Um, Sometimes I just wake up in bed and sit up and pray even before I brush my teeth. So those are the only two ways I do it. Um, But, you know, I set aside some days for extended periods of prayer. And that's when um, I usually also pray, uh, um, play worship music in the background and I intersperse it. Like I'm praying aloud and then I, you know, uh, sing along and then I pray and I sing. I know it's weird, but <laughs> that's something that I do for uh, if I know that, you know, I need to spend an hour or so uh, and there's something on my heart and that time that I've set apart. So I love to pray aloud. Yeah. That's not weird at all. I think that's great. I like to pray out loud too when I have the opportunity and when I'm at least mostly alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my co-host Alana can totally relate to the walking. She's a pacer. So if she's working and working on a, you know, she writes Christian fiction as well as doing our podcast and doing some other things. And so when she's thinking about a plot idea, she'll just pace around the house or walk. And the same with prayer. She's she likes to pace. And there's just something about that, like. I don't know. I think it's maybe keeping your feet busy to kind of get into almost a meditative rhythm. And I, I can totally relate to that because there's something very, um, and just the motion, I think just getting, getting the blood pumping, getting your brain active. I think there's something physical about it too, that just kind of helps with that 
process of thinking and connecting with God. So thanks for explaining that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not an expert, but that's just what I yeah. think. I don't know. Yeah. Well, your book, Far From Home, Discovering Your Identity as Foreigners on Earth, draws this beautiful parallel between your experiences as an immigrant from India to America in 2008. Is that right? Yes. So can you just share your story, kind of the story of that time, of that transition from India to the U.S.? Sure. And, you know, like um, any other transition or change in life, I, I feel like I went through different phases. Um, and the first phase for me was just a very, I was very happy to do that because I just got uh, married and um, I knew I was going to begin a new life with my husband. And so that kind of overshadowed everything else. Uh, we were so in love that uh, I did not um, prepare myself to deal with all the changes that would come my way. So for the first few weeks, I was happy and, you know, um, I was in the US and I found myself at uh, near a beach. The hotel that uh, my husband's company put us up was situated, you know, right. I mean, we could see the beach. And so it was just, everything was like a dream. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the first phase, but within a few weeks, I would say, I, I, I think about around week four, it hit me, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, I didn't have anyone to talk to and I was just mm. calling home. I was calling India all the time <laughs> and still talking to friends and telling them about, you know, uh, how I was doing. And then I realized I don't have anyone here. And then slowly the realization started piling up and, oh, I have to start all over, you know, um, and, oh, I don't know how to do this here. This is so unfamiliar. So um, I, I think um, that was my second phase, and uh, it just started going downhill from then there on for me. I didn't really, you know, just surrender all my questions and concerns to God, but I was just trying to keep up. I thought maybe I need to get more familiar with the place. Uh, maybe I need to do something useful uh, because, you know, I used to have a job and a ministry in, in India, and I didn't um, have that here and my identity was tied up to all those things being important doing something I didn't have that and so I thought maybe I should volunteer find some way of being useful uh, to people so by I think the second month I had set up so many volunteering opportunities thrice or four times a week sometimes mm -hmm. and I couldn't even drive but I would just hop on buses uh, <laughs> and and just do that just to kind of uh, fill that void I think in my soul um, and even my prayers at that time were more like um, they were less heartfelt uh, I think it became more like an uh, I felt more like a duty or an obligation and I, I think there's also some pride in it right when you think that you can do it by yourself mm -hmm. um, I don't need God I can figure this out by myself um, and I think everything there uh, started spiraling down. And when I became a mother, um, I was a new mom. That's when it hit me that I really need to do something about this restlessness inside my um, soul. And by then, you know, I, I was also dealing with self-esteem and self-worth. Um, and so I signed up 
to go to a Bible study and things started changing from then on because I, I knew that I needed to keep myself accountable um, that I needed to, uh, th that I needed other women around me to kind of lift me up because I wasn't doing it on my own. And so I think that's the phase where I really, uh, and it's not me, the Holy Spirit really prompted me to take that step and do something about it. And I started enjoying spending more time with God, you know, praying and studying the Bible and things started to change for me uh, since from then. And so that's my, you know, uh, story of uh, transition. And um, I, I'm so grateful to God that um, I don't regret, you know, the experiences that I've had, but I'm so grateful that he's brought me so far and he's taught me so much from that um, journey. Well, even just in this very beginning part of your, you know, just even in the beginning part of your story, I can just see this parallel of, Sometimes as citizens of heaven, we're surprised when it's hard to mm -hmm. engage on planet earth in, in a way that makes us feel like we fit in. Can you talk about that? Like just that, that very basic parallel of like, how important is it to understand and embrace our citizenship in heaven? And, and do we sometimes not do that as Christians? Do we try to just act as if earth is our number one and only yeah absolutely um and you know that's what one of the reasons why I said that I'm, I'm glad um that I had to go through this experience because when I was living in India I, I never felt like a foreigner everything was you know comfortable cozy convenient everything was familiar uh but I really experienced on a practical level what it is like to be a foreigner and to feel out of place, to feel like you don't belong. Um, and that, you know, um, experience helped me understand my spiritual identity as an immigrant, um, that this earth is not my home. Um, because like Jesus says, uh, when he prays for his disciples, you know, he says, Father, they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world, which means we are members of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is different from every other earthly kingdom. So in, in that way, you know, because we belong to, king, to the kingdom of God, um, and that's what it means that our citizenship is in heaven. And so we live by a set of values that are so different from the secular values mm -hmm. that that, uh, and the more we get closer to God and the more we are inclined to live by um the values of God's kingdom, to be more like Jesus, the more we'll feel foreign in this world. Um, and that to me was a huge revelation. And another thing is that the things that I was looking for, um, rootedness, belonging, God showed me that these are a shadow of my longing as an immigrant on earth, because those things that I was looking for in a home, um, stability, security, you know, acceptance, belonging, uh, permanence, all that can only be found um, in God, in a relationship with God, in that intimacy and union with God. And as much as we want, you know, um, to experience that fully on earth, it's not 
completely possible because we still face um, temptation, sin and suffering that get in the way. But we know that uh, we can look forward to a future in the new heaven and new earth when we will be home with God in a real sense, meaning, you know, think about it when you're home, you're living with someone. <laughs> and I try to, you know, imagine what that would be like to just mm-hmm. live with God, to have him talking and walking with us, to be able to see him face to face. So that's our, our future home. And in that sense, also, this is not home because that is where uh, our home is. So it's feeling like a foreigner on so many different levels. Yeah. And I feel like it's both a, I think it's a comfort and a challenge to think about that because I think it's a comfort because when we don't feel at home, Mm -hmm. when we are different, I think about this with my kids, you know, there are things that our kids aren't allowed to do that maybe their friends are or values that our kids hold. And when they see what's going on in the world, they're just like, what on earth? Like this, this is frustrating that that we're so different. Why is, why are we so different? And I feel like, you know, as the day approaches, you know, the, as, as we, the darkness increases on earth, we're going to be even more different probably in the big picture than, than the world around us. But I feel like it's also kind of a challenge because there are times when I think I feel a little too at home here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I am, it's kind of like that, um, you know, I don't know, the, the feeling a little too comfortable mm-hmm. here on earth and maybe not that, and I think it could be a danger. I think we could get into a stoic mentality of if I'm not uncomfortable, if I'm not unhappy, then I'm not doing God's will. Or if I am happy, if I am comfortable, if I'm thriving, then I'm, I couldn't be in God's will because I'm not facing opposition. And I don't think that's true. I think he wants us to, to thrive. But in terms of the things that I find comfort in and belonging in and solace in, sometimes it's challenging to think, you know, maybe I need to make sure that those things are rooted in God and who he is to me and not in finding acceptance on earth. And those things that you say are a shadow of you know, good things, but a shadow of, of what we are going to ultimately find in heaven. So do you have any tips for just how we can embrace our identity or kind of rediscover that if, if it's something that hasn't been in the forefront of our minds, um, you know, to kind of rediscover our core identity in Christ? Sure. And, you know, you explain beautifully that tension there. Um, and, and I think uh, there's a little bit of um, self-awareness that would help us a great deal here. And like mm-hmm. you just explained, if we are feeling very comfortable, it's not you know, necessarily a wrong thing. And I always look back to some people when they know that I'm from India, they always ask me if I've been persecuted or what kind of experience I've had. And when I say, I don't think I faced, you know, blatant persecution. Mm -hmm. And I know they're looking at me and thinking, so is she really a Christian? (laughs) If she has not faced uh, persecution. So I get that. Um, And so, but it's different for every person. And like you said, we need to do that retrospection and reflection. And that's where a good prayer life um, with God and a good personal relationship with God comes in handy. And that's the only thing that can 
help you see if you're comfortable because you know that you're in the center of God's will, that, um, you know, you're, you've made your home with God, you've made your home with, uh, in God's presence, or is it because you parked your identity in uh, worldly things and, um, you know, you're, you're comfortable um, going along secular ideals and what everyone says is success or having a good time or uh, other things like that. So that is, again, um, can the Holy Spirit has to tell you that no one else can tell you. And that comes from regular time spent uh, with God in prayer. And I think the second tip is um, studying the Bible. And I know these are like cliche tips, but that, that is really at the heart of it, right? Yeah. When, you, when you're studying the Bible, uh, God will reveal to you who you are. And especially going through, if you want to discover what this means, you know, um, embracing your identity as foreigner on earth, I would suggest look up characters from the Bible like um, Abraham, Moses, um, Nehemiah, Daniel and his friends, Joseph. And I, men I mentioned these characters in the book and I, uh, you know, kind of do a character study on each of them because um, all of these men were immigrants um, like me and like so many other people who moved or to another place or who had Daniel and his friends, they were forcibly taken, you know, they were exiles in a foreign land. But then they thrived. Joseph thrived in Egypt. He became a leader. Daniel was also a leader in Babylon, a foreign country. So when you look at their lives, you can, um, you know, examine their lives and see how did they do that? How did they hold fast to their identity as children of God? when they were surrounded by people who were not like them, by people who worshiped different gods. And we have that incident in the Bible where Daniel and his friends are, because they're officials now, Babylonian officials, they have to bow down and worship this idol. And, you know, they are in the minority here, uh, but they, they say, no, what's more important to us is our faith, is our identity as a people of God and do whatever you want with us. In fact, before being thrown in the furnace in another incident, right? The four men say, it's okay. You know, if you wanna take our lives, it's fine. Even if God doesn't save us, um, the, the four young men say, three young men say, even if God doesn't save us, that's fine with us. That's a response to King Nebuchadnezzar uh, because they love God so much and their identity as children of God means so much that they're willing to stand out uh, if it has, if it comes down to that. Um, and so I think a constant examination of our choices, our lifestyle, uh, and every choice we make is an opportunity, you know, to um, either uh, make it in line with God's word, or is it in line with secular values? And you talked about, you know, raising kids. There's so many times I have to pause even a harmless show to tell my son that, you know, this is how they believe in having a good time. It's always drinking and partying and it's always let's open up a drink. Mm -hmm. But uh, Ryan, that's not, you know, always what a good time is. You can have a good time in other ways. And this is, you know, um, even in terms of vocabulary and talking, it's funny to always say 
the wrong words or to curse is funny. Uh, using bad words is cool. And I have to always, you know, keep telling him or reminding him that that's not how we are called to be as people of God. You know, our words matter. And we don't use bad words to be funny. That is not <laughs> funny. So simple, practical things like that. But that kind of awareness and consciousness immediately comes when you are, uh, you know, um, in, in a personal relationship with God. It just doesn't, it's not a book of rules or something that you have to follow, but the Holy Spirit will immediately catch you when you're feeling that. Uh, and I think that's important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just, yeah. And right in line with that whole, it, I mean, there's just, it's, it's a cultural difference and, yeah. and not a cultural difference in terms of Christian culture, as in like, you know, if, if someone from the U S is, is listening and thinking, okay, you know, my Christian American culture is different from the mainstream American culture. That's not even the issue so much yeah. because there is a difference. And I think that unfortunately our, you know, whatever our church culture is, it can be a counterfeit for our citizenship in heaven. And I hate to say that, but I feel like kind of, you know, what's known as the holy huddle, you know, we get mm -hmm. in there and we get our ideas and start, you know, whatever your particular churches or denomination or faith or just friend group that, that happen to be Christians don't, I, I feel like it's dangerous. Cause I, I think that it's, it's very easy to let that be a counterfeit for what God's citizenship is. If that makes sense, it doesn't mean it always is. And I think it's so important to have Christian friends surrounding you and so important to be with people and fellowship with the body of Christ. But I think there are some, and I'm sure that you have seen having been a Christian in India and a Christian in the United States, that there are, there are definitely cultural norms that get kind of slapped on to our biblical faith. Does, have you seen yeah. that? Have you seen that? <laughs> I guess oh, I should ask absolutely. you that and not assume. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And, um, I love this question. It's so thoughtful, uh, so insightful. Uh, I've had to sometimes sift through certain things that I do or believe. Is this coming like from an Indian cultural place? Or is this just, I'm doing this because it's um, the American thing to do? Or is it a Christian thing to do? You know, sometimes um, I know in India, there is this uh, custom or tradition with Indian Christians and I used to see this in my church, someone bought a car or something, they would bring it to the church and have the pastor pray over it. Um, and I think I did that with my first car too. But then later on, you know, I thought about it. And then this is weird, right? <laughs> I can pray for my own car. But that comes from um, in Indian culture, we revere elders or anyone in authority or even pastors. And we know that um, a lot of the Indian religions, which are not Christians, but Hindus and Muslims, they give their priests um, a much higher you know, place or status. And they think that they're spiritually even superior. Um, and so I felt like it came from 
the culture, but not from um, you, the Bible, or it was not a Christian thing to do. Um, if your motivation or if you're thinking that just be a holy man of God, you know, prays for your new car and that would be a good thing, right? That is not a Christian kind of thinking. And so um, I think slowly God is showing me these things and I've been able to detach myself from some of the Indian Christian things that I used to do. Like you rightly said, it's just culture um, that we borrow from the dominant culture that we live in or that we are raised in, but it's not in line with uh, what the Bible says. Um, and so, and similarly, when we move, move to the US and like many immigrants, we want to assimilate and we want to adopt, uh, you know, not want to, but we, uh, it, it becomes second nature to kind of compare two cultures, Indian and the Western culture. And for instance, I, I now celebrate Thanksgiving. I never used to celebrate Thanksgiving when I was in India. I enjoy it. So to take the good parts of the culture uh, and, you know, uh, sometimes I make an Indo-American fusion of things. Uh, like, yeah, we celebrate Thanksgiving, but there would be an Indian dish at, at you know, at the table, <laughs> which is not really an American thing to do. So, but as a spiritual immigrant, it's the opposite that I'm called to do. It's not to blend in to the dominant culture, what everyone sees as success, um, you know, the upward mobility. Uh, I was just reading a book by Henry Nguyen, who's a Catholic priest but he has his great small book on Christian leadership and even as a Christian leader in ministry he just helped me rethink um, the things that we aspire to as leaders and he says the world sees leaders as aspiring to moving upwards right this upward mobility the numbers and the success but as Christian leaders we are called to a downward mobility a journey towards the cross um, and I think that is even as an author and a speaker to me, I'm constantly having to evaluate what do I see as success with my book coming out? You know, is it the book sales? Is it how many people have invited me? You know, where to speak? Is it all that? Or is it on a daily basis? Am I walking with God? Am I doing what he's called me to do with my family, in my home, with the people that I'm talking to? So everything that we see, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not saying that we cannot be successful here or that we cannot own property or wealth or anything, but how we view those things um, matters because we are, everything that we have here belongs to God. So when you see yourself as a foreigner on earth um, and you have, you know, your, your eyes are fixed on pleasing God, on seeking righteousness, on seeking kingdom values, then you know that whatever God has given you money, material resources. There is a purpose for that. They don't belong to you, but God has given them to you so that you're only a steward of those resources to use them for his purposes. And so everything that you, um, you see, you see it through the lens of the Bible and not through a cultural lens. And that is, I mean, that's the key is where your, yeah. your heart condition and, and where you're coming from and what is okay for one person isn't necessarily okay for the other person in terms of, you know, where God is calling you to be and do. And, um, yeah, I think that is so important. 
And it doesn't mean that some of the cultural additives to our Christianity are bad. Yeah. It just means it's just important to recognize them for what they are, I think. Um, but I love what you said about our heart condition in defining success, both spiritually and just in, because we divide, I think the spiritual and the practical, but you know, it's offer your bodies as living sacrifices, mm -hmm. holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So whatever we're doing, like those things, the, the success of those things, whether they seem spiritual or not, are um, just, you know, need to be need to be evaluated by God's litmus test, not the world's. And that that's really good, really good advice. Thank you. So you touched on your prayer life a little bit. I'd like to dig a little deeper into that. You said that when you first moved, um, well, a little bit after when you started feeling unsettled, that your prayer life felt more superficial. Mm -hmm. um, so can you go into that kind of what your prayer life looked like through this journey of, you know, feeling out of place and sort of seeking, I can really relate. So we moved from Arizona to Alaska almost 10 years ago. And I can totally relate to your getting on the bus and doing all the things. Cause when we moved here, I, I went from lots of ministry, you know, working, having, you know, social things with the church and with friends and school almost every day to this huge vacuum of nothing. And, and when we moved, we didn't have any friends, we didn't know anyone. And I did what you did. I just, I felt this void and I just started like piling on volunteer stuff and, and seeking out things to do to fill that void. And, um, and I just, you know, it just, it left me still feeling empty. So can you just talk about that, you know, sure. time and what that was like with your relationship with God? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that um, the, the transition did to me was it made me look more inward, right? All those feelings that I was feeling yeah. because I was not comfortable. It took me out of my comfort zone. So um, my prayers were centered around me. <laughs> God, make this right for me, you know, help me um, with this problem. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest things um, that studying the Bible and spending time with him did for me is to reframe those prayers from, you know, I want to be comfortable here and I want to settle down here. I want friends here. I don't want to feel this way to God. What is your purpose for me? Why you have brought me here for a reason. So what do you want from me? Um, align my heart with yours, you know, what, and I want to participate in your plan. I don't understand what's going on, but I want to cling to your unchanging nature in the midst of all this change. I know you have a plan and purpose. So that was a shift in prayer, I think, for me when um, I started spending more time with God. And um, like you said, this huge change sometimes, it tests our faith. Um, and instead of the temptation there is, I know that I have to go to God and, and just be honest with him and lay out my heart to him and tell him, this is how I'm feeling. Please help me. Um, but 
you know, for some reason, <laughs> even though I was born and raised a Christian and I knew that that is what I'm supposed to do. It took me a while to get to that place. Uh, I think for three, four years. Till then, my prayers were superficial, trying to deal with that problem that day and trying to make life better for myself. I was, uh, all I wanted was my happiness and my comfort. So I, I don't know if that makes sense sense to you but god really brought me to that place where i was the prayers became less about me and more about him and that's when also i started experiencing more joy in my prayer life and feeling more connected to him and that's when it went from superficial to more deep prayers uh, where i really felt uh, connected with god and that my inner person was strengthened um, that no matter what change came my way, I could say that, God, what do you want me to do here for you? Or how do you want me to serve you? Have you heard about our free virtual prayer conference coming up in just a couple of weeks? The second Praying Christian Women online conference is almost here and you are not going to want to miss it. Mark your calendar for January 23rd, 24th, and 25th. You're going to hear from 23 speakers over the course of those three days, and each session is absolutely free for 24 hours after each one goes live. So sign up today at prayingchristianwomen.com slash conference 2023. Our theme this year is battle plan for the new year, and each power pack day is designed to help you create your own prayer battle plan for 2023. So don't wait, visit prayingchristianwomen.com slash conference 2023 so you don't miss out. And we absolutely cannot wait to see you there. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I love that because I think that's applicable to anyone in any phase of life. It is just basically evaluating your prayer life and seeing, you know, is it me focused or is it God focused? Not to say that there isn't a time to say, yeah, I need this. I need a friend. I need this or that, or, you know, maybe not need. I want, I want fellowship. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, I, you know, putting all of your heart's desires out there to God. But I think for me personally, a lot of times what I miss is holding it with open hands and just saying, okay, mm. this is all my stuff. This is what I need. <laughs> this is what I think I need. This is how I think maybe you could give it to me, but thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What do you want for me? And if it involves being uncomfortable, if it involves throwing me a curveball or, you know, something that I never expected, that's okay too. Just help me to see you working in it. And yeah. that's when I've seen the most powerful shifts in my own prayer life. But it's something you yeah. think that you would learn one time and then it would just be fine. But I just, I, I go back into the old patterns, into that superficial, you know, grocery list of, of prayer points of what I want for me. And what I find also is I keep going back to my kids, but for my kids, I feel the same way. I love them so much and I want the absolute best for them. And sometimes I think I can tell God what's best for them. And, <laughs> and I get into that laundry list. Well, my kid needs to have this and this and this to thrive and to develop into the person that you've intended them to be. And 
I forget and it's control. It's really wanting to be in control. And so what I kind of feel like is maybe that shift into a new environment and kind of feeling helpless and realizing how out of control you really were maybe shifted. Mm -hmm. Do you think that kind of helped you shift into, okay, God, I surrender because I don't have control anyway. (laughs) Yeah. What do you want? Absolutely. I mean, wanting control for myself is the opposite, I think, of complete reliance on God. Yeah. Right. And like you said, we I've gone to God with like the simplest needs sometimes, uh, even with writing, just help me move from this paragraph to the other paragraph. Right. I don't know how to transition yeah. um, or even simple things uh, with my son praying for his teacher, every extracurricular activity we choose. I'm like, God, help me choose. Um, and uh, whoever is his soccer coach, you know, praying for the coach so I can relate, <laughs> I can relate. Like that. <laughs> praying about every single need mm-hmm. um, that that is important yes. because it shows that we rely on God and like I said previously when I uh, said that you know prayers moved from um, centering around me to focusing on God mm-hmm. uh, like you said it doesn't mean that we don't bring our needs but um at the end of the day, your motivation or, you know, your desire is to please God and to glorify him. Mm-hmm. But going back to control, um, when we start relying on God, slowly we give up that control. And that's what happened with me. I could not control everything, but I started, you know, giving that over to God and depending on him for every single need even as simple as God, give me a friend here. This is a new city because we moved around a lot um, after we relocated to the U.S. It's not like we were in one place. Um, We lived in seven different cities in the past 14 years. This is like my 10th home. So we moved around a lot. And so even simple things like help me find a church, give me a friend in this new place. Um, And you know, I, I'm not great at navigating. So every new place that I go to, you're driving around and trying to figure out where I am, it frustrates me. And so I have to just be praying all the time that God, let this not just rob me of joy. I know it's an unfamiliar place. I'm going to take time to get used to it. But um, give me patience, give me joy. Because it will take time to adjust to a new place. And for a little while, you really will not have you know, suddenly a a community or a friend circle. And for that little while or a long time, God became everything to me. Uh, And so that complete reliance on God to get to that place where you can say, I cannot do this on my own. And I think that's what happened to me also that that shift happened when I said, I cannot do it on my own. All this volunteering and other things that I was trying out, you know, just trying to explore places and travel and eat in different restaurants and filling the void in that way. It was actually things that I was doing um, on my own to solve the problem on my own. But I moved from there to depending on God for every single thing. And, you know, that's what the Bible talks about, being poor in spirit, that Mm. with every situation where you can become um, poor in spirit, in the sense you are completely dependent on God. You have nothing to offer, but you say, God, this is all I have and take me to the, help me take the next step. 
Yeah. And those that's, I don't think there's any more powerful place to be in terms of, of being just on the cusp of seeing God do big things when, yeah. when we have nothing left to give and we're completely relying on him. Those are the times in my life that I've seen him move in the biggest, most powerful ways that I still look back on today as like Ebenezer stones of God is good. God, God provides when I give yeah. up this illusion that I'm the one that, that makes my destiny and makes, makes my life move forward. That's when God just really, it's, it's amazing to see how he can work and move in ways that are just really powerful and impactful. Absolutely. Well, one thing I was curious about is just in, I feel like more than ever, uh, our, our world is divided. Just, you Mm -hmm. know, there are so many, so many divisions and it seems like as we get more access to each other globally through, you know, just technology and social media and, and all of those things, I feel like it, it almost, divides us more because then you end up with um, just all of the issues that even Christians can be on different sides of, and it can get ugly. Um, Mm. So what would you say that uh, how in such a divided world, how identifying as citizens of heaven could drive us as the church with a capital C as the body of Christ across the world toward more unity? Um, great question. And it's something that's close to my heart. Um, there's a passage in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 19 through 20, where Paul says, we are fellow citizens and members of God's household. And I think if that doesn't speak unity, what else? When you think of yourself as a member of God's family with, a, with spiritual siblings, and that, um, you know, you're a member of God's household. And so when we see ourselves as um, citizens of heaven, we know that our allegiance to the, to the kingdom of God is above any other allegiance that we have. Um, our loyalty towards, I don't know, our um, political groups, our loyalty towards, you know, any clubs or association, uh, even to our countries or cultures. Um, It comes under, has to be less than our loyalty to God and his kingdom. So I think when we look at ourselves as citizens of heaven, we know that um, we are united because we serve one God. We have one heavenly father, Um, and that we are the body of Christ and Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood blood for us so that all nations can come to him, people from all tribes and cultures and languages um, have kind of become one family because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And I think um, that helps me Uh, look at unity in a new way because unity is already there Uh, when you're saved you are automatically you know um, included in God's family you don't have to kind of uh, come up with a new foundation for unity a new criteria for unity the unity is already there but we have to uh, when we talk about pursuing it 
I feel like we have to maintain it, sustain it, and take steps proactively to um, deal with division or conflict. But it has helped me a lot to see myself as a citizen of heaven um, because now I see, you know, Christians in other countries, Christians here, and to, and to know that we are all part of the same family and that we have one purpose, which is to glorify God. And as citizens of one country, if I might say, one uh, kingdom of God, mm -hmm. um, that is where our loyalty lies. And we cannot let other things divide us because uh, God has called us, in fact, to be fellow workers. And, and Paul uses this word again and again, we are co-workers in Christ. And even the way he mentions, he, uh, you know, Timothy and, you know, the other guy I can never say his name starts with E, Ephra or something. <laughs> but he says he's my fellow worker and my fellow, um, uh, I forget the word he uses. But I love that because when you see someone as um, a colleague, in a way, right? A fellow worker is a colleague, or you see them as a brother or sister, uh, you only have their well-being in mind. And you know that you both are working towards the same goal. And so that helps you transcend the differences that you do see. Maybe you're seeing that the person dresses differently. They speak another language or they have different um, cultural values even. But they are brothers, they are a brother or he is a brother or she's a sister given to you by God. And you're just the same family. You go through the same problems. Uh, not just that, you have the same goal in life. Uh, and you're, again, a sojourner and so is he or she. And so that, I think, helps me really um, pursue unity in that way, pursue God's heart for unity, which is that when we do that, um, the world will look at us and know that this is what God's love is, God, what God's love looks like when they see us being united. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I, I have all three of our kids play hockey. And especially in the younger ages, a lot of times they'll be out there kind of, you know, scrambling for the puck and <laughs> Even the kids on the same team will fight for the puck and we'll be the same team. You're on the same team. I'm sure you can relate with soccer and, you know, where it's like, okay, you're on the same team. And that's what I think sometimes when I just see some of the internal strife among the body of Christ. And I admit, I mean, there was a time when I had, there, there, there are times when issues will come up and fellow brothers and sisters will express you know, how they feel about something or do something. And I find myself seeing them as someone on the opposing team because of, and it's mm -hmm. the same in a marriage. I mean, I see the same thing in my marriage where I have to remind myself, he's not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. He's mm -hmm. the one that causes division. He's the one that stokes the fires of, of discord. He's my husband or she's my teammate or mm -hmm. she's my fellow sister in Christ. And I love this just idea of looking at these people as fellow co-laborers, like you said, with the same goal in mind, we're there, we're trying to get the same thing done and we might do it in different ways and we might have different opinions and there might be slight differences in how we go about it. But 
Yeah, I just, it's, it's so good. I love how this picture of being citizens of heaven can help us to just pursue that unity. Um, do you have any practical ways or suggestions for how we can make that happen in our day-to-day -day lives or things that you've experienced that have helped you? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when I was living in India, most of the Christians I knew were Indians. <laughs> uh, and so I, I really didn't have, was not thinking so much about the global church. But I think my experience of just moving to another country and interacting with Christians of all different kinds has made me very intentional about knowing what's going on in the world, especially with uh, Christians living in other parts of the world. So that's um, one uh, a tip that I'd like to uh, suggest is, um, for me, it is, I think I, I read sometimes the, the magazine that World Vision sends us, and I share that with my kids because I want them also to know what's going on with Christians all over the world. How do Christians in other parts of the world live? What are their needs? How are they being persecuted? Um, and I used to have the voice of the martyrs. I think I still have it. It's hidden there. Uh, you know, 10 ways to pray for the persecuted church. Yes. And um, I go through that too, because I, I do believe that prayer breeds love right when you pray more for something or someone you love them you the, the love just grows in your heart so even though i don't see christians in afghanistan i don't see christians in ukraine just by praying for them um the holy spirit will fill my heart with love for them and the more love i have the more prayer so it's it's tied in and so just maybe it's a practice that you look up the news and ask God to show you how you can pray for Christians in other countries, uh, but read a magazine or sign up to an organization that uh, is global and that ministers to Christians from other parts of the world. That's one thing. But again, locally, you know, here with our churches, um, invest in relationships with um, other believers. I, I, it breaks my heart when I see people refer to church as just some show that they go to on Sundays, but that is not what church is. And God has taught me, you know, that uh, church is more about um, this community and that I have to make an attempt to invest in my, in, uh, my relationship with my brothers and sisters. And so it's difficult to do as mothers because you know children take over our lives and their schedules take over our schedules. But I've had to really um, cut down on some of the activities that my son used to do to say that you know uh, weekends or at least one Saturday uh, that we're going to keep it free so that we can invite a family home for uh, lunch or or when someone invites us we are actually free to go and just mingle without an agenda or anything uh, and get to know people in your church um a third thing is examine yourself to see if you have any bias towards any group of people or anyone and and really pray and ask god to uh, root those things out Sometimes I've gone out of my comfort zone to make friends with someone whom, you know, we all have stereotypes or, or some kind of, it's not always a bad, it's not a prejudice, but you just think a certain group of people are like this. It's just your assumption. Yeah. 
but I've had to make friends with them to <laughs> really see if, uh, you know, to, uh, to break down those kind of stereotypes. And so I would say, go out of your comfort zone, make friends with believers intentionally who are different from you and be intentional about um, cultivating a diverse friend circle, not just for yourself, but for your whole family. And again, pray and ask God for wisdom and just do it at the right time and in the right way. Stay clear of conversations that might cause divisions or that might hurt someone. And I've learned this because I'm a very opinionated person. So I've really come a long way because of God's grace. And I've made so many mistakes because I love to share my opinion without realizing that just by doing that, I have distanced myself from someone, you know, mm. and so much more these days, even on social media, you don't have to give your opinion on everyone's post. Um, and these are the things that I don't think we intentionally cause division, but they do end up causing conflict. So uh, we can look at our conversations and see how we might, um, you know, uh, maybe distance ourselves from others or others from um, as by the words we speak. Um, and so, yeah, those were my tips, you know, glo be global minded and uh, know how you can pray for others, be sensitive to the needs of the global church, invest in relationship locally with your believers in your church and uh, others around you in your community, go out of your comfort zone, make friends, be intentional, intentional about um, cultivating a diverse friend circle for your family and then stay clear of conversations that uh, or if anyone else is even talking in a way that you know maybe they're just whispering or gossiping about someone behind their back um, that has got to give you the courage to step in and say this is not right in a loving way standing up for that uh, is also important that's the way that you are pursuing unity Oh, that is all so good. Thank you, Mabel, for those really good tips. Um, I have so much more we could talk about, but we're kind of running out of time now. So I'm going to close yeah. this up, but I would love to know, and I know our listeners would love to know, where could they connect with you on social media and online and find your podcast, your books? And all the, the best place would be to just go to my website, which is yeah. MabelNinen.com, and then okay. all the information is there. Yep. And that's N-I-N-A-N. -N. So yes. we'll link to that in the notes. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to close this up in prayer today. How can we pray for you? Um, please pray that I learn to, I think, pay attention to the needs of my body. <laughs> yeah. I'm struggling with sleep, with just eating properly and taking care of my body. And I realized in the past few weeks, especially when kids are out of school, right? It's just so out of um, schedule that it, and when my body is affected, I'm not able to write like I used to or function like I used to. And so just, just pray. And sometimes it's, I struggle and I ask God, why don't I have the willpower to eat right? <laughs> why don't I have the discipline to do this? And I, I'm really struggling with that. Um, to have some kind of accountability around sleeping and eating well, sleeping well and eating well. I will do that for sure. We'll pray about that. Thank you. you. 
Well, Mabel, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. And, and we just are so glad you were here with us today. Well, this was such a privilege. Thank you so much, Jamie. All right. Well, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this time with Mabel. We just thank you for this really practical and powerful picture of just being strangers on this planet and being foreigners on mm -hmm. this earth as citizens of heaven and how we can recognize that and how we can embrace that. And, and we just pray for each person listening, God, that you would help them to apply this principle to their lives and this, this picture and this realization to their day-to-day -day, that it would bring freedom, that it would challenge them that it would give them just an opportunity to remember where they've come from and whose they are. And Lord, we just, we do pray for unity in the body of Christ. I feel like mm -hmm. it's something that is so fragile right now. And I feel like it's in such danger of being attacked. We just pray in Jesus name that you would open the way for just a renewed unity in the body of Christ across the world in our own communities, and that it would just begin in each of our hearts, God, help us to ask ourselves those questions that Mabel put out there about, do we have um, bad feelings or preconceived notions about anyone in, mm. in the body of Christ and, and help us to help us to uproot those things, help us to extend our hands in friendship. Friendship can be hard. It can be easy to hide behind busyness. And we just pray that you would open doors for friendships um, in real life with the people that we are in community with in our, in our day-to-day -day lives and in our churches and in our communities. Um, we just lift Mabel up to you today, God. We just pray that you would help her um, to just be mindful of what she needs of sleep, of nutrition, and just taking care of herself, God. We just ask that you would help her to just be able to, to put her body first in, in terms of being able to be healthy and feel rested and just be equipped to do all of the mm. things that you have called her to Lord. We just also pray for her spiritual protection mm. as she puts this message out into the world and just that you would allow her to engage with women and just be able to encourage them that you'd get her message out into the world, just uh, in ways that she couldn't even imagine. And mm. that her success would be your success that you would show yes, her Lord. exactly what success <laughs> For this book and for her message and her ministry is in your eyes and we just thank you so much for her we pray your blessing over her over her family over her ministry over her writing and we just know that she's going to glorify you in in big ways in jesus name amen amen, amen. well i love that you prayed for me it's been a while since someone prayed so it just brought me to tears thank you so much oh thank you so much for being here